Welcome into another edition of Hope Talk. My name's Jared, and on this month's episode, we're going to have a chance to listen in to a conversation that Brett got to have with one of our good friends and co-workers, Noah. Noah is a black young man who has been extremely helpful to us as we've kind of processed through how we as Christians should respond to a lot of the unrest and uh, a lot of the the cries for change among our nation and through the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, he's been a great listening ear as we've processed some of our questions out loud with him, and he's also been very helpful with his advice. And so I'm so excited for you to get to listen in on this conversation as Brett and Noah talk about representation among media and among the workplace on this month's episode. Hope Talk, a PCM podcast. This is something that I know we've talked a few times uh, off the the microphones about, um, and something that I've shared with you that, like, you know, I didn't quite really get and definitely didn't believe in, um, you know, a couple of years ago, even like as soon as a couple or recent as a couple of years ago, and and have come around and uh, still struggle with it sometimes, but. Um, I guess uh, representation or uh, uh, diversity in representation. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I guess that's the idea of showing different um, races, uh, cultures, creeds, um, different type of uh, uh, um, representations in, I guess, whatever. It could be in you know media. It could be in the culture. It could be in TV, workplaces, politics, whatever. Yeah. Um, but basically, um, showing that there is a diversity in the offerings made available to anyone within the United States of America, or even to extend beyond that to the world. Um, and so, we talked just briefly about the idea of representation, particularly in media. Yeah. Um, whether that's movies, TV shows, music, um, maybe. Uh, even these days, I feel like, you know, with influencers, social media, YouTube, stuff like that. Um, I guess before we get into anything too deep, wh- what are your just your thoughts on uh, uh, diversity and representation across uh, media as we know it? Yeah, I mean, we've talked a little bit about this, um, but I think, you know, you and I both said, like, we both kind of, in a way, are best people for the job type people. And mm-hmm. so this t- kind of is a slippery slope when you talk about that with people because immediately when you talk about diversity and representation, people kind of jump to the assumption that you want to throw, you know, any type of qualifications out the window and just look at those factors, mm-hmm. which I don't think is the case. But I do think it's important um, with an issue like this that we have historically and systemically. I think it's important that we have to be intentional in looking for that diversity and representation um, across, you know, different mediums that we use. So I, I just don't think that's an easy thing that's going to come naturally. We're going to have to be intentional about that. Yeah, I like that you brought up uh, systemically um, because I think about uh, a, a lot of classic TV shows that uh, I believe still are good TV shows and TV shows that I love. Um, you know, you think about uh, the Andy Griffith show. Um, you think about uh, Bewitched. You know, uh, I'm just trying to think of some of the classics from like you know the 1950s, yeah. Dick Van Dyke show, and so on. Um, you know, all of them were either you know like you had like a sheriff, you had um, an advertising account executive, you know, you had different types of jobs like that, and it seemed like in uh, the media of that time, um, black people were represented either by Sanford and Son, which, you know, uh, uh, owned like a, a, a 
garbage heap and like a um, uh, like a car place where all the old cars you know yeah. they go in like scrapyard scrapyard. Yeah. Um, you had the Jeffersons. You know the whole idea there was moving on up. You know is that they moved out of where quote unquote black people normally right. were to you know the white world. Um, uh, and that was kind of the representation a lot in uh, in media of that time. And I guess it's sort of uh, the way I, I've kind of come around to it is that representation shows particularly young people um, ideas of what people like them can obtain. Right. Um, and so, you know, growing up in the 50s, you probably had plenty of white people who were like, oh, I could be a sheriff. I could be a advertising account executive. I could be... You know, a jingle maker. I could be, you know, whatever. Right. Um, and on the other hand, black people didn't have those role models uh, to uh, aspire to. Um, is that something that you still feel like maybe we see today? Or, I mean, has it gotten a lot better or a little bit better? Yeah, I mean, I think it's gotten a little bit better. Um, I think that issue of representation can sometimes be significantly downplayed. Um in its importance. You know, you were talking about role models, and I think that's hugely important. But Mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, we can just watch a show like one of those classics, and we can completely miss out on the fact that, like, why weren't more races represented? Like, why aren't we asking that deeper question? And to some people, that may sound silly or pointless, or even maybe being a little bit, like, nitpicky. Mm -hmm. But I think that's incredibly important, because like you said, it does show people, hey, I can be this. I can be an advertising account executive. I can be a sheriff. I can be whatever. Um, and so a lot of the things from the media slowly make this transition in our mind. And, you know, things that we see and watch and listen to can become things that all of a sudden we perceive to be as reality. So when you don't see anyone that looks like you represented, I think that, that you can slowly start to think, like, maybe those jobs aren't for me. Um, you know, maybe that's just not what what people who you know are black do i I don't know (laughs) right um so yeah i do think it's gotten better um i think there's still a long ways to go um but i certainly think there's been an emphasis in media in some forms of media in the last several years to get more minorities involved and placed in more prominent roles so that they can be role models you know i mean the easiest one that comes to mind for me is is star wars um that that one kind of are you came a star wars fan too i am okay yeah. yeah that one came out of left field for me um not there's anything wrong with it but just you think about like some of their older movies and there wasn't a whole lot of representation lando. yeah that was it that was it i mean as far as i can remember lando yeah and i mean that wasn't he was a, an important character but not but still like a, a bit part yeah like yeah and so for them to come in and, and do what they did, that was, that was striking to me. Um, but it was also really important because mm-hmm. I think, one, you drew in a whole other audience. Just because the African-American community knew that there was going to be an African-American starring, you drew in a whole other audience because typically that's a, you know, a show that has – or a movie series that hasn't really had that. So I think it is definitely better – um, but that's through people and directors and, and companies being intentional in who they're hiring and how they're portraying who they're hiring. Yeah, I think it's funny because uh, I've joked around with uh, others before that it's it's similar to to white people seeing a white person like on the basketball court these days. You know, like um, I remember growing up, you know, being a huge fan of basketball 
and uh, you'd see a white person on the court and it's like, ah, the great white hope, you know, or something like that. Because, you know, honestly, like uh, white people just uh, they're not in prominent positions in professional sports at all. And so um, it was funny, like uh, that honestly was a big part of what helped me kind of put my own or put my feet in someone else's shoes uh, was to see, you know, like, oh, I remember, you know, watching, uh, uh, I was about to say, uh, not Steve McNair, uh, Steve uh, Nash, Nash. Um, you know, and Steve Nash and see what he's doing. Or, you know, uh, you see some of these, uh, which he's Canadian, you know, yeah. um, but uh, but still, you know, like it was funny because um, uh, I noticed that more. And I think that was able, that helped me draw the parallel um, to, to think of a, a young black man, like 17, 18 years old, um, and seeing, uh, you know, uh, the, the cool guy driving the, the sports car and, and being, you know, like a, a detective in Hawaii or something like that, you're like, oh, that's cool. I can drive a sports car. Yeah. I, I can be a detective. And that representation, I think, is very much important. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I guess I'm noticing now is I, I have uh, two young kids um, – is diversity in kids shows. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm seeing that like a lot more than I ever did uh, as a kid myself. Um, and uh, I feel like that's something too that we're seeing across, you know, Marvel universe, you know, you mentioned the star Wars universe. Um, and then we're seeing it, uh, you know, particularly in more specifically geared towards kids shows. Um, do you think kids actually take that to heart as far as like, I mean, because, you know, growing up, you know, I love to play an Italian plumber, yeah. you know, in the video game, but I never worried that that, you know, wasn't me or right. um, or the same thing, you know, like uh, watching Biker Mice from Mars or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, there still has got to be some sort of, you know, kids have to draw still a parallel between them and these, you know, whether it's cartoon characters, real life that they grow up watching, right? I think so. I think kids notice that more than more than maybe we think. Um, I mean, I can't even really draw back too much on like my childhood and remember a time that that necessarily stuck out right. to me particularly. You know, the biggest thing when I think back on childhood and that I look on with representation um, a little bit is like, honestly, talking like biblically and, and in the church, it's more of like how Jesus was portrayed as a child. You know, you get a lot of children's books and like, it's Jesus portrayed mostly as like a, you know, a white guy with, you know, flowing straight hair. Beautiful and, brown uh, hair. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, blue eyes. Always a white robe, too. Right. Always yeah. a white robe. Yeah. And honestly, that's the picture that I've had in my head for years. I think a lot of Americans do. Yeah. yeah. And and like when someone says Jesus, like, you know how when somebody says a word or a person, you like you have a picture of them that mm-hmm. kind of pops up in your head. That's the picture that still to this day pops up. And so that's what tells me, like, you know, that was all of my childhood. And that's what tells me your brain does draw a parallel somewhere mm-hmm. in there that's a great between example. what you see and how people are represented. Because I know Jesus, you know, we know historically Jesus wasn't white. But when someone says the word Jesus or when I'm reading the Bible and reading, you know, something that Jesus said or a story about Jesus, that's the image that still pops uh-huh. up in my head. So it is such a strong connection made from when I was a kid reading books, watching, you know, these TV shows or watching, you know, whatever Christian movies that I was watching, that parallel is so strong in my brain that even to this day, even though I make a conscious effort and know very strongly that Jesus wasn't white, that's still the picture ingrained in my head that just I honestly can't get rid of. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like, I can see the image of him 
having his hands folded, looking up at the the bright light coming down. You know, he's like looking off and like it's yeah. like that that white American Jesus is like ingrained. But I saw somebody once said that uh, you know how many Christians would be uh, either surprised or even appalled at the fact that Jesus looked more like Osama bin Laden than he did Billy Graham. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, just, I mean, obviously that's a, you know, drastic, you know, comparison between those two people. But it's like, you know, still it's like, um, I, I, someone told me, you know, uh, you know, Jesus looked more like Saeed from Lost than he did, you know, the image that we have prepared and propagated um, as a as a white American Jesus. Right. Um, What about like, uh, you know, we kind of hit on it there at the very beginning. it's not necessarily representation, but diversity in the workplace. And we've had this conversation that, you know, uh, both of us are very much inclined towards the, you know, hire the best person for the job, no matter what. Um, You know, there's a lot of times where I've thought, you know, it'd be great just to get a list of qualifications and you don't see their name, you know, or anything else about them other than a list of qualifications. Um, And, you know, there's still a part of me that, you know, probably 99%, you know, agrees with that. Yeah. Um, but uh, diversity in the workplace is important. And I feel like as my position has stepped more into a creative role here, uh, I've seen that purely off the idea of differing opinions um, sparks creativity in a yeah. way that, um, you know, everyone thinking the same thing doesn't. What are your thoughts on diversity in the workplace? I think it's huge. Um, you know, I think it goes back to if you have – like you said, um, different skill sets. That's where, for me, mm-hmm. it's huge. You get people. It's important to have people from different walks of life, different backgrounds, people who come from different life experiences, and to have all those people on the same team um, because those people not only bring different strengths, but like I said, different life experiences. I think that's key because um, it just helps you as an organization, as a company, be able to relate you know, to your own community well. Um, it helps you keep yourself honest and accountable, you know, in the world that we live in, how many organizations do we see out there, you know, in businesses that in the times that we've just gone through still seem incredibly tone deaf. (laughs) And it's like they had no, you know, not just minorities, but no differentiation in their workplace Mm -hmm. for anyone to step in and be able to say like, Hey, this is not a great idea. Let's not do this initiative. Let's not post this statement. Let's not do this. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when you get a whole bunch of people that think the same, you know, you're going to get some good out of that and people are going to be on the same page, but you're not going to have anyone else to keep you accountable or to say, hey, you know, from my life experience, this is probably not going to be taken the best way. Um, Maybe we shouldn't do this. I think that's just one practical application of it. and that I think we've seen in the last couple of months can really come back to to kind of bite you in the butt a little bit. Yeah, um, you know, before my my current position, I worked a lot with the programming on air yeah. uh, side of uh, uh, our radio station, and uh, it was I was the youngest person uh, in the group, but it was all white guys. Yeah. Um, and you know, I've, I've transitioned to a more digital side of things, and honestly, I think one of the the coolest and best things we've done, and, and she also happened to be, you know, the best qualified of all the candidates that we looked at was uh, hiring our social media coordinator. Um, and honestly, her female perspective um, has been um, revealing. It's been uh, encouraging. Um, it's been uh, uh, in a good way, creatively challenging. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's been awesome to have that kind of 
just you know across gender lines that diversity in opinion that diversity in uh, um, creativity uh, it's been really cool to see and I feel like honestly uh, a better employee and a better director and everything because of that and I think that's kind of like what we're talking about as far as like diversity in the workplace yeah. is not necessarily you know um, seeing someone who maybe doesn't have the same qualities as someone else and hiring them because of an external factor. Right. Um, but those external factors can, can multiply existing qualities. Yes. You know, and so if you've got two people with the same exact qualifications, but this one brings a unique or different or uh, interesting perspective yeah. uh, because of, like you said, their life experience. Um, I think I, I, I've, I've come around to seeing that as like not only just a positive, but a, a big positive, like a huge positive and wh- what it can bring to a work group. Yeah. Um, are there any ways that uh, you find that workplaces, organizations or whatever um, can encourage uh, diverse applicants or, uh, or search out diverse uh, uh, employees um, that may help them? Yeah. I mean, I think there are... Um Several ways. I mean, the first thing I would say is kind of just playing off of what you were just saying. I think in the hiring process, you know, qualifications are incredibly important. I, I am very big on like you need to have the qualifications to do right. the job. You cannot just be, for lack of a better term, like a you can't just be a diversity hire. Like, OK, well, this person mm-hmm. doesn't meet any of the qualifications for the job, doesn't know anything about the job, hasn't done it. But we need more diversity. So we're hiring this person. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that point. I think the hiring pl- process is incredibly flawed, and a lot of people in minority groups know that. Like, I think it's just human nature. We tend to lean towards people who are more like us. For sure. You know, if I'm hiring someone and I interview someone that's entirely different from me, and maybe they'd be great for the job, but they're entirely different from me, for some reason that might rub me the wrong way a little bit. Then I bring in someone who's you know, basically a clone of me. Well, some, let's say like during the interview process, you find out they like hockey. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like you're a huge hockey fan. That's that's going to influence how you're hiring. Right. Yeah. And, it, you know, in the same way that we shouldn't just hire someone because of diversity, we also shouldn't just hire someone because they're similar to us, right. you know, because they come from a similar background or, you know, because they like, you know, similar sports or movies or video games mm-hmm. that you do. But those things all play a role. So I would first say the hiring process is greatly Flawed, And I think minorities see that and it kind of gets discouraging. I mean, I have friends um, that are that are African-American that have, you know, kind of like me. Noah's not really a name a whole lot of African-American people have mm-hmm. a lot. We get a lot of interviews because our resume comes in and it's like it's a very white name. You go in, you crush the interview. You're more qualified than, you know, a lot of the candidates going for the job and you never get a callback. And then, you know, you're looking on LinkedIn or anything and two months later you see so-and-so got that job and you're far more qualified than that person. But, you know, a lot of the times, you know, that happens once or twice, you think nothing of it. It happens, you know, six, seven, eight, nine times. And you're going, I have, you know, the realization we were kind of talking and it dawned on us. We were like, we all kind of have like wider names in companies that don't really have any diversity. They probably honestly, not that, not that they necessarily discriminated against us because we were black, but that, you know, you get in there, you have that interview, and then they've got someone who comes more from their walk of life or is more relatable to mm-hmm. them, and they hired that person, even though maybe we were more qualified. 
So I think that's discouraging. I, I think the best thing you can do in hiring, and I've used this word a lot already, is being intentional. You know, recognizing your own biases that you have innately is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think we're all going to skew towards people who are like us. You know, like you said, if someone came in and was interviewing with me and brought up hockey out of the blue, like, you better believe it'd be very hard not to <laughs> hire that person. Right. Because I'd love someone to talk hockey with. And, you know, all of a sudden I feel a connection with that person. Right. Um, so you, I think to do better and to encourage more diversity in the workplace, we have to be more intentional. You still have to be hiring people who can do the job well. But there are a lot of people out there, you know, that are in different minority groups that can do the job well that maybe should get more consideration than they do. Um, Because sometimes I think in the hiring process, we don't block out our innate biases. We let those kind of overrule. It's like, well, they all, you know, this person interviewed really well, but I really like this person. We use kind of the phrase like something about them. Well, we know what it was about them. You connected with them. You liked them, formed, you know, a little friendship in the interview, whatever that may be. And so that person gets the job. And I think, honestly, because of that, we've probably missed out quite a few times in, in, you know, organizations all across our nation. We've missed out quite a few times on the best person for the job Mm -hmm. because we've hired the person that makes us feel the most comfortable. Yeah, that's the honestly, that's the that's unfortunately like the 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 tricky part of it all, though, too, because it's like when you hire someone, you know that you're going to have to work with that person. And you know that you're going to have to exchange conversation. You're right. going to have to bounce ideas. You're going to have to you're going to have to spend time with them. You know, a lot of times you spend time with your coworkers more so than you do your family. Right. Um, and so you want it to be someone that you like. You want it to be someone that you have stuff in common with. And so um, it's like finding that balance between uh, qualifications and you know just. I mean, a little bit like the personality, you yeah. know, and, and how the, the connection that you do have. So it's like, it's so difficult. And yeah. it makes me entirely glad that I'm not in a position to hire a lot of people. Yeah. It, uh, in all honesty, it definitely is really difficult because the personality is a part of it. I mean, yeah. here at, at, you know, Partners for Christian Media, I feel like we have such a tight knit staff and, and group overall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and more specifically being on the sales team, we've got a very, very close group back there and that's very intentional you know brian when he was interviewing me talked a lot about you know the biggest thing we're looking for you got to be able to do the job but we're looking for your personality because it's a close-knit group back there and Mm -hmm. we don't need someone who's going to come in and do their own thing blow everybody else off and because of that i do think we're more productive because we're a very close staff Mm -hmm. there's not a whole lot of backstabbing or infighting or anything like that but where's that balance of you know Someone who's a because a personality is a part of the job. You're hiring someone who needs to come in and fit with your culture. But where is that balance of somebody who's qualified for the job, fits with your culture and also is different enough from you to be able to challenge you a little bit? Because that's one of the things I enjoy about our sales room is I think it's pretty diverse. It's Mm -hmm. a lot of people from different backgrounds. And, you know, all you got to do is sit in one sales meeting with us to know there's plenty of different people challenging different people because we all have different perspectives and come from different backgrounds. So that's such, it's a hard thing to balance the three of those things, you know, in the same way that I would say you got to look at the qualifications and can't just make like a diversity hire just for the sake of diversity. Mm -hmm. You also can't just make a hire because, you know, someone has a good personality for the the job because you like the person (laughs) and you're the person with the hiring power. Yeah. Oh gosh! Like like I said, I'm glad I don't have to hire many people. Yeah. Um, 
because um, you think about nepotism, you think about you know diversity, you have to think about qualifications, you have to think about personality. You know, um, it's 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 definitely something that's uh, challenging, right? And uh, I'm glad I don't have to face a lot. Um, you know, I think before we've talked uh, a little bit about um, uh, particularly through the schools because um, both of our wives um, uh, are teachers. Both of them have worked in uh, uh, inner city schools, um, and it, it's it's a conversation that we've had because you know a lot of times these students come from very challenging backgrounds um, with all kinds of different things that they have to face. You know, everything from um, you know both parents uh, because of their situation having to work. You yeah. know, like sometimes multiple jobs, and so they're away from the house a lot. You know, to uh, single parents. You know, whether that's through uh, you know. Um, just never having been married, uh, incarceration, uh, being deported, you know, there, there's a lot of challenges they face. And so, um, you know, we talked, you know, when you go particularly to some of these schools and some of these kids see you, a black man, successful in the workplace and, um, you know, putting time in also volunteering at their school, it means a lot. Um, what are ways that we can encourage that type of representation or diversity uh, to young people, whether it's, you know, I mean, because honestly, none of us are going to go out necessarily and make a hit Paw Patrol cartoon series, right. you know, <laughs> just like now, like anything. But what are ways that we can help and encourage that for our young people? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think one of the ways that I try and do it, like you mentioned, is, is going by um, going by the school and showing up and being a presence. And I've had people, you know, kids there ask me, like, what is it that you do? And before I can even say anything, they guess two or three different things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that didn't surprise me the first couple times I went there. But the more I've gone to the school, the more I've heard, like, the same two or three occupations <laughs> thrown out there. And that goes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of the, you know, of the show in that, like, as a kid, this stuff does get ingrained in your mind. And it's, you know, in your subconscious and you don't even realize it. But the fact that all of these different kids kept coming up to me and asking, you know, what do you do? Do you play basketball for a living? You know, do you... Are you a coach? Yeah, are you a coach? Uh-huh. Like, what, what is it that you do? Um, it shows that they've seen, you know, that's the only role models that they've seen. And so, you know, my, my personal opinion on that is, you know, as a person... Um, that's a minority as a black person. I think it's part of my responsibility to show kids like that. You can, you can do different things. You can be successful in the business world if you want to, you know, I go and talk to them and you know, they're like, he works for a radio station or before this, you know, he works in sports like, Mm -hmm. you know, but not as a, as an athlete, but as you know, on the business side of things. Right. And that was like, they never even thought about that. Yeah. And that's something we might dismiss, but like, you know, these kids are in, you know, elementary school. Those ideas carry on into middle school and high school. And before you know it, you're having to make that decision on your vocation or, you know, your college choice or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you've probably still got some of those ideas that you had when you were in elementary school. So, you know, while we may dismiss that as, oh, it's not that important, I think it's important to show up and be seen and show people, like, there are all these different things out there and you can you can do this. Like, you can do this. You can make it happen. And, hey, let me tell you, like, my story and how I did this. And, you know, it also goes back to not to get off track, but it also goes back to what you and I were talking about with kind of the good old boys network. Yeah, the you nepotism know, and everything yeah, involved. kind of like who you know. Um, I think that's something – there's a fine line between networking 
and <laughs> nepotism. Um, but there's a, you know, if you can get involved with these kids in whatever industry you may be in, you know, maybe something comes up and it's like, hey, look, we've got an opening. I know you've expressed interest in being an advertising account executive. Mm-hmm. We've got an opening for someone to come in, work a few hours a week and get to learn, you know, from the staff, whatever, is like an intern. You know, if that's something you'd be interested in, we can certainly, you know, put you in the hiring pool or whatever and, you know, see if you make the cut. That's something, that's how you get people out of these routines that there's just, they're pigeonholed into what they can do for a job. So I think that's huge. It's just, you know, a lot of, as a minority, a lot of minorities giving back and going there and showing like, hey, look, this is what we're doing. I know that, you know, you may think that these are just the jobs that are available, but look at all this, you know, different stuff that's out there. Look at all these options that are out there and and things that you can do. You know, what's funny also is like thinking about it from uh, my perspective, I'm a, a white guy who married a white woman and so um, this might be a shock, but we have white kids, you know. Um, and so uh, uh, from the other side, it's been funny because, um, you know, my daughter, she's two years old um, and she has uh, um, probably like four or five dolls. Yeah. Literally like half of them are, are non-white dolls. Wow. Um, and so it's like um, it was something the first one was by accident. Yeah. Um, and then the second one was intentional. Um, but it was funny because after the, the, the first time she had this, uh, um, this little baby doll who was black, um, it was interesting to see some of the comments from some of my relatives like, Oh, could y'all not find one of the white baby dolls? You know, I could, or I could get you one of the, you know, the one that looks more like her, you know, on Amazon or something like that. And it was something that honestly, like, again, not having had kids, you know, before that, uh, when I was hearing this and seeing this, I was like, this is something that honestly I can do to help encourage uh, a diverse way of thinking with my kids. Um, and you don't usually think about that as a white person. Yeah. Um, but, you know, whether it's, you know, um, uh, you know, Connor uh, is Catboy in PJ Masks yeah. and he's a, a non-white kid. And that's like one of my, was one of my sons. He's a little bit past PJ Masks now, but that was one of my son's favorite characters. You know, and yet he identified with this cat boy because he thought cat boy was awesome and super fast and, you know, could jump all over the place. And it just happened to be a kid who was a minority. Um, Same thing with my daughter and having non-white baby dolls, Cabbage Patch Kids and so on. Um, Those are ways that hopefully as a white person, I can encourage my kids to go about thinking diversely. Um, And, uh, you know, that's something that hopefully uh, is just a super easy step. For, for parents of young kids to take. I think that's so cool. I, I really do. Um, because, one, when I was a kid, I don't remember a whole lot of that. You know, like, I don't remember there being a whole lot of representation just in simple things like that. Like, right. you know, baby dolls, stuff like that. I just don't remember, like, going to mm-hmm. the, a store and being like, oh, wow, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of people who look like me represented here. Like, this, you know, this action figure is black. That's something I thought was so cool about, you know, like, the Black Panther movie. Yeah. Is it was, one, it was, a fan, in my opinion, a fantastic yes, film. Yes, one of the best Marvel movies. Yeah. And, and two, it featured a largely minority cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was so cool. And I think it's so cool when I go to Target or something and I see, you know, because as my wife would say, I am a child. Um, and <laughs> right. so I'll, like, go to the, the Guys toy section. Guys never grow up anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? We don't. We really don't. Yeah. I'll go to the toy section, we browse around, and there will be a mom with her son and they'll be sitting there, they'll be going, 
oh, I want the Black Panther action figure. Or, I want mm-hmm. this toy. Or, I want that. Or when I see an African-American kid that walks down the aisle and, you know, all of a sudden he's looking, he's looking and boom, there's somebody who looks like him and mm-hmm. his face just lights up all of a sudden. Yeah. And I think that's something that there wasn't as much of 20 years ago. And it's really subtle because that's something that, I mean, that's part of the reason I think we're doing this podcast because it's subtle things like that that people are like, come on, that can't really make right. a huge difference. But it does because if you see enough, like, why is there never anyone that looks like me? Like, there's people who look like, you know, my friend who's white, but there's nobody who looks like me. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's incredibly that can be incredibly damaging as people go on and grow up. I mean, you know, with the whole dolls thing, there's a whole movement going on right now about like what beauty is supposed to look like because you've got these Barbie dolls and they're almost all white and so it's mm. like you know hey this is what you're supposed and to be. And super thin right. and long legs like a lot of unrealistic expectations along with that. Right and yeah. so they've recently started developing you know all different types of Barbie mm-hmm. dolls you know black you know not not maybe the same figure that they've had in the past yeah. like and I think that's just been really important and that again goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of the show with that Kids pay attention to that stuff, and that stuff is more psychologically damaging or imprinted in your mind than maybe we realize. Like you know, like we said with the whole white picture of Jesus that pops up in our <laughs> head, you know, that stays with people. This is how you're supposed to look. This is what beauty is defined as. You know, these are you know all all the superheroes are only white, and, and that's that's just the way it had been, um, mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily the biggest deal or the most like. It's not something that necessarily stands out to people, but I do think it has damaging effects over time. And so I think as we're moving away from that and seeing more representation there, you're showing people, hey, you can be whatever you want to be. You want to pretend to be a superhero? Because, you know, how is a kid supposed to pretend to be a superhero when all the superheroes he's seen are, are white and he's a minority? Yeah. You know, but all of a sudden out comes the Black Panther movie and it's like, that guy is cool. Like, mm-hmm. all of a sudden minorities have a person who it's like he looks like me and he is so cool and that's just such a big thing that that can have an impact on children so i think that's huge and then you know you sharing your experiences you know a parent um of kids that are white is really cool because it's a very practical step but like you said it's definitely something that can be important and show them how to to incorporate diversity into their life yeah, yeah my, my son he switched around from four or five different Halloween costumes that he wanted last year. And one of them was Black Panther. And so I thought that was really cool. Um, He ended up actually a black dragon, um, toothless from the movie How to Train (laughs) Your Dragon. Um, But uh, no, I think this is, it's 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 an interesting conversation because I don't believe there's anything inherently racist about um, diversity and non-diversity. Right. Nothing like um, just inherently racist about it. But it's one of those things that like, we can do better, you know. Like we yeah. can, we can do better by showing diversity um, and uh, um, encouraging representation um, to help both young people and then us old folks too um, see more diverse ways of doing things, which sparks more creativity and um, and, and challenges us in a good way to to think um, and differing in opin- differing in opinions and and so on. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think I think that's why it's a lot of people. You know, we talked about both of our hesitation with representation, just because of the idea. If you choose the best person for the job, so you can, it's a, you know, so I feel like I've personally cringed from this t- 
type of diversity and representation in the past because of that. Right. Um, and again, I can also say, well, I'm not doing anything wrong by not encouraging that or talking about that because there's nothing really inherently racist about it, I feel. But it's one of those things that if we really want to um, encourage growth in ourselves, um, if we really want to see the culture and the people around us in a way that Jesus sees it as both diverse um, and the same at the same time, um, then we're going to do things that encourage diversity and uh, um, lift up examples of representation um, for ourselves and our young ones to see. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, like you said, there's nothing overtly racist um, in a lot of the representation that we've talked about, especially mm-hmm. with, you know, with all the, the children's items that we've discussed. Um but I do think it goes back to what I've you know said about being intentional. Like you said, yes. we can be better. We can be intentional about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just goes to show all, all of it is about recognizing our innate biases, um, the biases of our culture as a whole that's, you know, been very westernized and leaned very heavily towards, you know, white people, which is why, you know, so many toys action figures superheroes are white it's not about being racist it's about our culture has been you know so western and so leaning that heavily for such a long time which also goes into some of the systemic issues right that you mentioned earlier as well right which is why you know and that's it's the same thing in the workplace it's all about being intentional you know it's nothing most of the times occasionally in the workplace it can be you know a, a cause of racism but it's typically not overtly racist. It's just a lack of being intentional, a lack of looking and going, what are my biases as I'm going through hiring people? You know, what am I just trying to hire the person that I liked the most because they were the most like me? Or am I really looking for someone who's going to come in super qualified, do a great job, and they're going to challenge me because they're not necessarily from the same background? You know, it, it kind of all comes back to me to the phrase, um, you know, a leader, a strong leader surrounds themselves with people that complement their skill set that's different from them. And I think that's that's kind of what it all boils down to for me. You've got to be intentional in surrounding yourself, surrounding our kids with with people that are are different so that they know how to handle diversity and that they know diversity is important um, and that it's also equal. Yeah. And, and then, I mean, to take it from a Christian perspective, uh, it's a great way to love our neighbors, yeah. um, to encourage them and to uh, acknowledge them, uh, whether that's through representation or not, but to to acknowledge the differences between us and embrace those differences um, is, you know, pure gospel. So uh, just another easy way to think about it. If, if, if anything else, you know, has been uh, making someone cringe, you know, about <laughs> like, if you love Jesus, this is a great way to show your love for your neighbor. Right. I I couldn't agree more. Thanks for listening in to this month's episode. Got to say thanks to Noah for joining in and helping us to process some of these questions and issues. Make sure you tap subscribe so that you get notifications as we release new episodes of Hope Talk every month. Hope Talk, a PCM podcast.